Fourth and final part of um, Sacred Pathways, um, I hope that you have heard the premise of this series loud and clear, whether you've been here with us on site or whether you've been with us online. The premise of this entire series is that you and I have been invited to draw near to the God of all things. And we could spend years mining the riches of that one statement and we would barely scratch the surface. But this idea that you have been invited to draw near to God and the way that that's happened, the, the path that has been paved for you is through the Son, through Jesus. Jesus has cleared the path. So if you grew up in church or this is your first time in church, if you're a cynic or a skeptic, if you used to believe or you've always believed, you've been invited to draw near to the Father through the Son. That's the good news. So we call it the gospel. It's the good news, right? The bad news is that the New Testament doesn't give us a prescription for how to do that, okay? It doesn't say, okay, on Monday, do this. On Tuesday, make sure you pray this. You know, every second October or second week in October, you need to make this sacrifice. We don't, we don't have that kind of formula. We don't have that kind of prescription for drawing near to God because the way that we draw near to God is relationally. And you don't run a relationship with prescriptions and formulas. You run a relationship by relating. And that looks completely different than a prescription or a formula. So we haven't been getting anything like that. But the New Testament does talk. It does outline some essential common practices that followers of Jesus can do to build and maintain that relationship. Just like you have certain things that you do to build and maintain your human relationships. There are things that we can do to build and maintain a relationship with the Father. And the, and the thing that's probably been most interesting in this series, or maybe controversial uh, for some of you, is this idea that even though we've all been invited to draw near to God, and even though the only way to the Father is through Jesus, is that we all are going to express that in different ways. Just as God has created us as individuals, just as you have a different personality than me, just as you have different things that have happened to you and different things you've done throughout your life, I have that same thing, and, and we all are unique, and the way that we express that drawing near to the Father is gonna be different. And, and here's the thing I wish I had more time to talk about, but um, we learn something about God through each of these pathways. We learn something about a, a, a facet of his character or his nature. And if, if the only thing I do is spend time with people who think like me and act like me and draw near to the Father like me and vote like me, I miss, I miss a piece of God's character. I miss part of God's nature, and I'll think that, that God is like me, and God's fingerprints are actually all over us, but you're too small individually to contain the whole nature and character of God. You're too small for that, so he spreads it out amongst all of us. There, there are things we'll never know about God until we spend time around and appreciate people different than us, and, and one of the healthiest things we can do and be as a church is to understand that and then accept one another in the different ways 
that we draw near to the Father. It's one of the reasons I wanted to do this series is that God teaches us something about himself through these different pathways and that he's blessed us with as a church. So absolutely, yes, I want you to read your Bible, but I'll hope you, I hope you'll do it in a way that really clicks with you. I hope, I hope you'll do it in a way that God has designed you. I want you to pray, but I hope you'll do it in a way that clicks with you, that you can do it your entire life. And then today, we're going to talk about this third practice. Um, and this, this third practice is not intuitive. Um, in fact, if, if I would have you know, surveyed everybody at the beginning of this series and said, okay, list all of the ways that, um, that you might draw near to God, even with all of the people that are part of Grace Point, very few, if any of us, would list this one would list this practice. It, it doesn't seem related to drawing near to God, but this could be the thing that's standing in the way, that, that's causing you um, to, to feel distance or to feel like something's not clicking. This may be an answer for some of you to the question, you know, Tim, I read my Bible, I pray, I go to church, I'm training myself to draw near to God as opposed to just trying to draw near to God, but I hear other people talk about their nearness, about how they're drawing near to God and how there's this relationship and it's real and it's fresh and it just seems so natural to them. I, I want to feel like that, but I just, just something in the way. Today could, I don't know, but it could answer or bring some clarity to that for some of you. So this is, this is where we're going today. You don't simply draw near to God one-on-one -on -one through prayer, which is one of the ways we do it. You don't draw near to God simply through um, reading his word every day by yourself or even in a group. That's important, but it's a part of but it. it it's, it's just a part of it. It's clear. It's so clear throughout the New Testament that you can't draw near to God if you're drawing away from the people God has placed in your life. Okay, let me say it this way. We can't draw near to God as much as we'd like if there are unreconciled relationships around us. Okay, if, if, um, if there are people you refuse to forgive, people you owe money to that you refuse to pay back, if there are projects you've stolen at work that you refuse to give credit to, things you've done to hurt people that have created loose ends relationally, like, Again, we don't think that this has any direct impact on our intimacy with the Father, but it does. It does. And, and if you don't believe me, you can read it for yourself. There's more scripture about this practice than there are the other two combined. You'd think that the New Testament would talk about reading your Bible and praying and read your Bible and pray, and there's, there's definitely stuff in there. But when it comes to reconciling relationships with other people, there's more in the New Testament about that than there are about these other two things combined. So I'm going to just show you a couple, okay? Don't have time to show all of them. I just want to show you a couple. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, and I just need to say this before we look at this and, and go through this. Pretty straightforward. Like, this is really straightforward. So we got to put on our big boy pants, put on our big girl pants, and just get through this, okay? It's very direct, very clear, Okay. He's talking to Jewish people in a Jewish context, so he's talking about temple worship when he says this. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar 
and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. In other words, there's some unresolved relational issue. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. In other words, time out. Time out. It's great that you want to be near to me, but I want you to leave that there and go to them. Now, this was, this was not always a wise thing to do because your gift might not be there when you get back. Okay, we're talking about animals and animals see other animals being slaughtered. They might run away. <laughs> they might fly away. So your gift might not be back when you get back. But Jesus, think about this. Jesus, the son of God, the final and full sacrifice for sin, the one who died to give you access to the father says, leave your gift for me there and go. Be reconciled to them. What's the, what's the next word in, in, in verse, I think it's verse 24? First. First. As in, before you get all mushy-gushy with me, before you get all religious and you have those feelings inside, before you get close to me, first, go and be reconciled. There's our word. Go and be reconciled to them. And then come and offer your gift. Be reconciled here first. And then we can do this. And again, that, that seems like it doesn't connect. It seems like that those two things, they're completely different. I mean, yeah, I got some tension in my marriage and I've had some conflict with my kids for a while now. And I got this thing that with this guy I used to work with. There's all that in my life. But Tim, I want to draw near to God. I, I want to be close to God. How do I do that? And God says, I'm all about that. But before we do that, I need you to go and reconcile with them first. Because drawing near isn't just about being right with the Father. Because the Father wants his kids to be right with each other. Okay? You got more than one kid? Isn't it true? Like they want to come to you and they want to, they want to be close to you. They want to spend time with you. I love it when my kids just come and talk to me. But if I know there's something going on between those two, you better believe I want that to be reconciled first before they have any kind of closeness with me. Want, want them to be close to me. Absolutely. But if I know there's something off there, it is a great gift to me that they reconcile with each other. The same is true with your Father in heaven. It's a gift to him that you reconcile with one of his other kids. First Peter 3, 7 talks about this same idea. Um, I don't have one for the wife. So husbands, I'm going to pick on us for a minute, and I'll, I'll fully admit this is a strange verse. It's strange. I don't have all the answers to all your questions. But Peter, who spent time with Jesus, spent three years with Jesus, says this, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. That's not a put down, ladies. Okay, it's actually an honoring term. We'll come back to that again someday. As the respect as the weaker partner and as heirs. The Jewish audience that heard this would have gasped. The cultural context of this, same level as me, according to God. Peter says, yep. You are co-heirs with each other heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. So treat your wives with respect so that nothing will hinder your marriage. 
Does it say that? So nothing will hinder your prayers. To which, to, to, to us guys, we want to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know, like, I know I'm not home as much as she wants me to be, and I know I'm not as sensitive as her needs, and I, I, I don't listen very well. But I'm in like three different small groups. And I mentor younger men, and I'm serving at church. I'm studying God's word and praying every single morning. Me and God got it going on. And God's going, no, we don't. No, we don't. We, we, we think God's looking at us going, he's not a very good husband. He's not very sensitive. He doesn't listen to his wife. But would you listen to that guy pray? Wow. Like I'm giving him extra credit that makes up for the dysfunction in his, in his marriage, right? And God says, no, that's not really how it works. You can't treat your wife like that and expect me to respond to your prayers. What does that mean? I have no idea. Does it mean he doesn't listen? I, I don't think so. Does it mean he doesn't take him? I have no idea. All I know is Peter says, you can't be off this way and think you're right this way. It doesn't work like that. You can't draw near to God as much as you would like to, as close as you would like to if you're not reconciled in the relationships in your life. Which begs the question, why? Right? It's a good question. What's the connection? Why can't we just be right with God and deal with people however we want? Some of you, you grew up in a religious tradition like that, didn't you? You showed up, you did the thing, you prayed the thing, you said the thing, you knelt whenever you were supposed to kneel, you recited whatever you were supposed to recite, and then you could go treat people however you wanted. Nobody talked about treating each other the way that you treat God. Nobody, nobody really talked about that. So it's no wonder when we come to things like this, it's like, what? There's, there's no connection there. Well, according to the New Testament, there is. The New Testament says it, it actually does have to do with how you treat each other. But why? Why? Here's, here's what I think the reason why is. And I'll try to explain this the best I can, but even in my mind, it falls woefully short, okay? Here's why I think why. The same thing in you, the same thing in me, that causes us to run from God or to stiff arm God, for, for some of us, it's decisions in our life. For some of us, it's um, relationships in our life. For some of us, it's our money. For some of us, it's you know, entire chapters or seasons of our life. The thing that causes us to put God in the rearview mirror, the thing that drives or fuels that rebellion, the thing that causes us to say it's my life, my body, my relationship, my time, my money, my business, I'll date whoever I want to date, do whatever I want to do, go as far as I want to go, treat my wife however I want to treat her, treat my husband however I want to treat him, all that stuff, and don't tell me how to run my life. That same thing that fuels all of that is the same thing that fuels your resistance to reconcile with people in your life. It, it, it's the same thing that fuels that thing in you that refuses to forgive, that refuses to seek forgiveness. It's, it's down in the depths of our soul, and that thing is pride. It's just pride. And here's the deal. When I say you know, you should call her. You know, you should call him and you need to pay them back. 
You need to own up to what you owe them. You need to forgive. You need to release them from that. Isn't it true? Like immediately, words and emotions and arguments and defensiveness just starts rising in you. Maybe that's just me. But that's what happens to me. I slam on the brakes and I go, well, that was a long time ago. And yeah, I was, I was probably about 10% wrong, but they were 90% wrong. And it's not as bad. And as soon as she deals with her 90%, I'll consider dealing with my 10. And I'm not going to forgive them because they, 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 they. What fuels that? Pride. Pride. And, and, and here's, here's what God knows about you that maybe you don't know about yourself. The same pride that fuels our rebellion against him. It's offensive to God and dangerous for us. It's dangerous. You, you may have already laid down your pride when it comes to God because he's big and he's powerful and he's invisible. You can't see him. So you may have laid down your pride there, but there is still pride left in the dungeon of your soul. And the only way, or one of the only ways, to get us to see it and to deal with it is for God to send us back into those relationships where it surfaces. The reason I don't want to pick up the phone, <laughs> the reason I don't want to own it, the reason I don't want to take responsibility the reason I don't want to forgive past all the excuses, past all the history, past all the psycho babble, the, the thing that's really causing me to refuse is that thing in me that says nobody tells me what to do. This is my life, and you can't force me to do it. It's, it's just pride. And God, who loves you, he says, I want to remove that from your soul. I, I, I want every last drop gone. But the only way, one of the only ways I can do that is send you back to the relationships with the people you can see that surfaces all that stuff in you. You've been invited into a relationship with a humble Savior, a Savior who died not for his own sins, for yours. A, 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 a Jesus who deserves all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise, who has the right to demand of us whatever he wants. And, and for me, for you, for, for us to try and move and draw near to the humble Savior while we're full of pride? To, to, to move towards a relationship with the one who deserves all the honor, glory, and praise when we think we do? Do you, do you see the disconnect there? Do you see how he might want to deal with that in us? And so because he loves us, because he's done so much to pave the way for you to draw near to him, and because he's gone to such great humble lengths to draw near to you, Jesus says, come on, let's go all the way. Let's go all the way. Let's get rid of every last impediment. Let's throw off every sin. Let's get rid of every last drop of pride. And the way we're going to do that is by going back to those relationships that surface 
that pride. And, and if you'll do the difficult, sometimes almost impossible work of doing this, watch this. I'll break the last little bit of power that pride has in your life. And you'll experience nearness to me. You'll experience intimacy with me like you've never experienced before. And, and, and maybe, I don't know if this is helpful, but this is how I wrote it down. It's as if God is saying to us, I paid a debt I did not owe. I'm simply asking you to pay the ones you do owe. I died for sins I did not commit. I'm simply asking you to own up to the ones you did. I forgave you, even though I've never needed nor received forgiveness. I'm asking you to extend to others what was graciously extended to you. And for us, I, I hate, I hate this, but it's in me. For us to say no to that is just arrogance. It's just pride. You know what, God? You're great, but I kind of think I'm greater. You know, Jesus, so you're so humble, but I'm more humble. You humbled yourself, but I'm too good to be humbled that way. How? How in the world does that work? How do you draw near to the humble Savior when you've got pride? So Jesus says, first, first, before you get all mushy-gushy, before you get all religious, before you start praying or reading, before you show up to church, come on, make it right. Face your pride, deal with it, and then come back to me. And we'll experience intimacy like we didn't before. Okay, now here's, here's one of the objections. And I'll, I'll say this because I'm right there with you. I know all of your excuses for not doing this are true. They're true. It was a long time ago. That's true. It probably won't do any good in terms of fixing the relationship. That's true. You have already tried. They did hurt you. Humanly speaking, you have no reason to forgive them. It was only 5% your fault and 95% theirs. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. But so what? That's not the point. It's just not the point. The point is facing and dealing with your pride so God can crush the power of it in your life. And, and I'll make you two promises. I'll make you two promises, and I think they're based in Scripture. Number one, if you don't deal with this, if you don't do this, there will always be a sense of disconnect. You, you may never know why, because time is going to go by, and you're going to keep reading. You're going to keep praying. You're going to keep attending. You'll forget this message, but you'll keep reading. You'll keep praying. You'll keep attending, and you're making progress, but there's just something off, and I, I don't know what it is. The promise is that will always kind of be there if you don't deal with this. If, and, and if you're going to cross your arms, and guys, this is especially for us, okay? If you're going to cross your arms and refuse to deal with it, if you're going to continue saying it's them, it's them, it's them, at least do yourself a favor and stop telling yourself all of this stuff about my problem is them or that or whatever happened, that's not actually my problem. My, my, my problem is actually my pride. At least be willing to admit that. You don't have to admit it to me. 
You don't have to admit it to anybody else. But at least admit that to yourself because then at least you and God will still be on the same page. That it's your pride. The other promise that I'll make if you'll deal with this, what starts off as a human interaction, a phone call, a letter, um, you write a big check with all the interest added in, what starts off as a human interaction will end up a spiritual one. What starts off a human interaction will end up a spiritual one because when you reconcile, when you do all you can, even if they don't reciprocate, when, when you finally forgive, finally ask for forgiveness, you've finally done what God wants you to do, you'll experience something in your relationship with the Father that can't happen any other way. Which is one of the reasons I think he invites us into this. And you'll think, why did I wait so long? Why did I let my pride rule me? And you'll peel back one more layer. You'll sand off one more layer of pride that's separating you from the Father. And, and, and here's, the way I know that is from 4.6. God opposes the proud. You, some of you know this. God opposes the proud. But let me ask you a question. Does God love the proud? Yes. Did Jesus die for the proud? Yep. Does God want to draw near to the proud? You better believe he does. But there's something in God's character that's incompatible with the pride in us. He opposes us like Shaquille O'Neal opposed his opponents. That's the image. Are you really going to try and back down on Shaquille O'Neal? God opposes the proud, but look at this promise. Here's the new fresh thing that's going to happen when you deal with it, but shows favor to the humble. So your, your translation may say, but shows grace to the humble. See, you, we, we, sometimes we think that, that grace is only saving grace. Like it happens in the moment that we decide to follow Jesus and he saves us with his grace. There's also sustaining grace that happens over and over and over and over again. It's not a one-time thing. And if you'll humble yourself, if you do what you can do to reconcile, own the 5%, stop hanging on the 95 right? You'll forgive, you'll do only what you can do because come on, there's a limit, right? There's, there's only so much you can do. Paul says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. What can you do to live at peace? If you'll do what you can horizontally, God will give you a dose of favor. God will give you a dose of grace that you've never had before. Can I explain that? No. Can I tell you what's gonna, that's going to look like and feel like? No, I can't. I just believe it's true. And I've experienced it. Two verses later, James writes this because it's so closely connected. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. You say, Tim, I have drawn near to God. I'm at church today. Okay, good. What about the other 167 hours of the week? Because you can draw near to God then too. He invites you to draw near to him there too. What about the relational tension you've got going on with one of his other kids? 
Let's peel back. Let's sand off another layer of pride in your soul. And when you do, I'll give you favor. I'll give you grace. So again, before, before you draw near this way, some of us, we need to draw near this way. Before, before you go forward with God, some of us may need to look back at the people we've hurt, offended, ripped off, stolen from, any, any of those, those loose ends. And, and if you hear anything else from today, I hope you'll hear this. Even if you decide not to do it, even if you decide it's too painful, too hard, too messy, it's not going to do any good, you know, let's, let's get this sermon out of my system and move on to something next week, right? Even if your answer is a simple nope, would you at least, and again, you have to admit it to me, you don't have to admit it to anybody else, would you at least acknowledge that the problem is not them? Would you at least acknowledge that there's pride in me there's pride in you. And if you'll simply own that truth and allow God to bother you with it long enough, you'll be willing to humble yourself and God will draw near to you in ways that you can't figure out. So yeah, I absolutely want you to read your Bible and pray every day, somehow, some way. I hope you'll pray like you've never prayed before. I hope that he will teach you things from his word that you've never known before. I hope you'll attend and be exposed to truth. I hope you'll be discipled and become a discipler. I hope you'll worship from your heart. All that is a part of drawing near. But the difficult, non-intuitive practice, the one that we think we can compensate for in other ways, is to make sure we've reconciled with each other to the degree we can with the people that God has placed in our life. And so here's how I want us to close today and close out the series because this has already happened. It's already happened for some of you. I wanna give, I wanna give Jesus some room, some space to bring faces and names to your mind. And listen, I know this isn't fun. I know this is uncomfortable. I know some of you are thinking, why did I come to church today? Some of you are wondering, why did I tune in today? Okay. But one of the reasons I wanted to do this <laughs> is because of the things that I've experienced personally over the last couple of weeks. Some of the things that we've experienced over at church, guys, you are not guaranteed tomorrow. You are not guaranteed the ability to do this. Well, I'll do it in a week. I'll do it in a month. There's no guarantee that you have time to deal with this. So could it be, could it be that this is the thing, this is the step, this is the decision that you need to make for God to fully have your heart? And so I'm just gonna ask him to bring some names and faces to mind, and then it's up to you. It's up to you to decide what to do with it. So would you bow your heads with me? I, I wanna ask you some questions and then I'm gonna pray. <laughs> Who do you need to confess to? Who 
Who do you need to own up to? Or what do you need to own up to? Who do you need to pay back? Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to call? Who have you offended and excused your offense because you know you're right? Who feels distance from you because of something you've said? Who do you have imaginary conversations with trying to convince and convict and control? Husbands, are your prayers being hindered because you've tried to pray your way out of situations you've behaved yourself into? And wives, have you used your spirituality as leverage in your marriage? Brothers, sisters, siblings, do you have a sibling you need to reconcile with? Who have you hurt? Who do you know is anger with you and you've not gone back to try and make it right? And if you've experienced any kind of resistance today, if you're thinking to yourself right now, I'm not gonna do anything about this, would you at least admit right now to your heavenly father, I realize the issue today isn't my past, but my pride. Father in heaven, you see each and every heart. You know, you know all the relational disconnect. You were there when it happened. You were there when they did what they did to us. You were there when we did to them what we did to them. And would you please, in your own gentle way, just do a little surgery today? And would you give us the courage to go deep, to maybe go back before we go forward, to go sideways before we try to go up? Would you give us insight to know what we need to do when we leave this place and the courage to do it? I pray that you would overwhelm the 14-year-old middle schooler, the 35-year-old mom, the 75-year-old grandpa, who's obedient to you with your favor and your grace that you promise in your word. That would go far beyond simply reconciling human relationships to a nearness with you that is, is fresh and real. But would, would you give us the courage to do whatever it takes to remove those bits and pieces of pride in our hearts and God, would you, would you through these acts, through these things, through these, um, the decisions, the calls, the letters, the checks, the whatever it is, would you show us how we are to be ministers of reconciliation? We're, little, we're, we're all little pastors that are supposed to pursue reconciliation and in the end, it is, it is about our good, but ultimately it's about your glory. So would you do this through the power of your spirit in your people? And we will give you praise. It is in the name of the one who has paved the way for this to even take place. The 
one who is reconciled with us. It is in the name of Jesus that I ask all of these things. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for sticking with us. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. You're dismissed.